My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. the threshold between known and unknown. Although your surroundings appear unaltered, the simulacrum has shifted. Enter Dave Zed, a young man on the brink of an earth-shattering encounter with the fabric of reality. From the discomfort of his residence somewhere in the Canadian metropolis of Greater Ontario, a signal expelled from his makeshift laboratory has attracted the black-clad helicopters and their resultant uniformed goons who knock down the doors of any unwitting Icarus who flies too close to the almighty and dubious son of science and its twin star, the ominous black budget of fringe science normally conducted in the sunken crawls of supermax mountain bases. Nothing to trifle with unless you're willing to risk often peering over your shoulder and spying through your windows. Nothing Dave Zed will wince at. A man of perplexing eccentricity and spot-on recall, it seems he was destined to fiddle at the crossroads of physics and high strangeness. He joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode with Dave Zed. such experiments across both Canada and the United States in closed laboratory settings in order to confirm these the, these experimental results and all of that in various forms to ensure that what we had there was not anything that was like, you know, a fluke of some type of, you know, radio frequency that just so happened to just have some type of phenomenon, whatever. It's it, 
with that said, there are basically a handful of different ways derived from what's called first principles in terms of accessing the underlying, I guess you could say, space-time metric, what's underneath it, what's underneath that fabric. There are a handful of different ways it could be done. In some cases, it can be done with liquids. In some cases, it can be done with simply city and various forms of magnets. Other cases, things like copper. Other things such as sound as well. But to specify... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And with me today is a special friend, someone who I've done a series of shows in the past with. Who knows? Maybe we'll reignite that series. He is the host of the very enigmatic Generation Z podcast, diving into all things weird, strange, and highly bizarre dave welcome back brother it's been long overdue i'm very proud to call you a friend you 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 cover a lot of ground and i'm a little worried about you based on the last conversation we had at the uh, union of the unwanted but we don't have to get into any of that here people can go back and listen to that how you been man what's 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 been on your plate lately it seems like you've been researching a lot of uh forbidden stuff well, first, let me just say thank you. It's a pleasure and it's an honor to, to be on here. And I just want to thank Mark as well, because we've done some incredible episodes that if it weren't for and I'm not trying to, you know, polish up your your your, your toothbrush here, as they say, but truly, if it wasn't for you, man, in certain ideas and, and seeding those ideas with respects to how I even took the direction of some of my episodes in my own show and all that, I wouldn't be honestly in the place where I am. And I want to thank you so much, seriously, because you've done and whether when we discussed about things like demagnetization of ley lines and things like that, you, I would, I just can't thank you enough. So without, like with that said, basically long story short about this time last year as of the time we're recording this. So Christmas 2021 going into 2022, I was playing around basically with some, some copper, some, you know, some magnets of various kinds and stuff like that. And certain various forms of electricity, basically not stuff that I would encourage people to just kind of start doing. I, I've been very fortunate. There've been some very slight instances where I could have literally killed myself. And that's why I want to say that right away. And basically for lack of a better term, initially I thought it was an accident. What I had, I guess you could say cracked, which a lot of people publicly would call anti-gravity. Now I know that's a super bold statement, but basically uh, I was experimenting in a backyard. There was no, it was not a closed laboratory setting. There were a lot of conditions that could could have made it seem as though like, you know, it was a fluke or maybe the wind did something. And I'm really I tried to play devil's advocate with myself for a while. And then I tried it in. I tried assembling this generator, as I call it, which was probably about 
$2,000 all in between some stuff at the hardware store and, and, and all that. I tried assembling it in different forms and it still pr produced the same result. And then as I kept going, I realized that, okay, it's not necessarily anti-gravity so much as it is canceling out gravity within a certain area. And then that area in the center is just, there's a, a void. There's nothingness, if that makes sense, for lack of a better term. Now, people can talk about, you know, are you tapping the ether or the vacuum or something like this? I would say absolutely. But with that said, one of the things that led me to where I am today was that then, you know, jets started flying over the backyard in which I was experimenting in things like this. It probably didn't help that there was a military base 40 minutes down the road. And then what happened was I kept pushing it and then... Eventually, I got, I, you know, knock at the door, got some visits, things like this, direct visits in person. But this is going to sound completely, I guess you could say crazy, but basically my intuition told me to keep going. Now, throughout this, I was very silent throughout all of this. There was one particular, uh, there were a couple different elements within the Department of Defense who had started reaching out to me shortly prior to my cracking this. And then after I cracked it, which I'm certain it set off a, a radar or alarm on these government's detectors, because now that I understand the science, it certainly did. I started getting emails from individuals from all over the, the Pentagon and in some cases from even outside of the West, whether it's academics, whether it's people that are advisors to certain high-level government officials, all this. And then what happened was essentially... I was trying to, for many months, trying to skirt my way around, not having to basically go under an NDA or something like this. And now I know I had said on a few weeks back on the Union of the Unwanted, or maybe more than that, about how I'm under NDA. But one of the reasons I wanted actually to come on the show as well, you made you made a joke that made me laugh when you're like, NDA Dave, I love that, by the way. What I did essentially was instead of signing under any one department, group, company, you name it, I found a way essentially to start my own company and NDA myself, in other words. So the company as a separate entity would be overseeing me personally as sort of like, in other words, so I can... You, you're protecting yeah. yourself with this measure is what you're saying. Instead of somebody else holding the reins to your silence, you yourself are protecting your speech and saying, no, this is something that I don't feel comfortable revealing. And now I have some sort of litigation to back it up or a business legal standing to back that up. All right. That makes sense. And right, I should so clarify... I I was only poking fun at you because I thought I was oh. going on that show to talk about ghosts. And next thing you know, we're talking about <laughs> anti-gravity, which they do kind of connect in a strange way. And you, you illustrated that. But OK, so you, you set up this sort of, you know, protection, we'll call it for yourself. Sure. And where does the story turn from there? Did that help these kind of visits from weird officials? It did because it gave me the, by the way, fantastic questions. Thank you so much for the, even the way that you're asking it. I appreciate it because, you know, some all respect others will be like, well, you know, what, what's this made out of or whatever. It's like, let me get to the point. Then it becomes more understanding or easier to understand. Basically by establishing that legal element, I was then able to present myself to various departments of, of the Department of Defense, as well as other groups around the world, you know, governments and private interests, where essentially I would say, listen, I can't divulge what people have called the secret sauce, the scientists that have come forward and said, yes, there's this, 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 and this, but there's one missing key. But what I can do is speak more freely in helping to lead people there to understand it, if that makes sense. 
in in other words, basically within, particularly in the West, even in Europe too, there's so much compartmentalization within different agencies that no one really knows what's going on. Now, to be clear, I'm not the first person to crack this. I am not saying that the the handful of different ways I've found to crack, to discover this energy or tap it, if you will, and then extract it for use. I'm not saying I found the set of ways. I'm simply saying I found a set of ways, which is why I'm also saying as well, I'm, the more I dive into this stuff, the more questions I have, believe it or not, which to me speaks to me philosophically, being the joy is in the journey, right? Once you discover something, you think, okay, sort of like, you know, you walk outside and there's snow. As a friend of mine once said, okay, well, what's, you know, people say oh, it's snowing. Well, what is the snow made out of? And then, you know, not to be stingy or picky like that, but it speaks to fractality and fractals. We keep zooming in to understand what it is or what it may not be. And then that speaks to, again, uh, alchemy. I would dare to say that speaks to what our ancestors have tried to tell us, whether on cave drawings or other things like this. So essentially, to give you a, sh a short answer, I spent the last six to eight months basically presenting to these different groups and trying to establish myself as someone that is not looking to ruffle any feathers I guess you could say, at least for now, in the sense of, you know, getting suicided or anything like this. But I do believe that some of this energy and knowledge can come forward in a benevolent fashion without risking any anything else in that regard. And I would like to very kindly say to you and your audience, brother, I'm not asking anyone to blindly believe me. I'm simply asking people to just be open to what I'm saying. That's all. Yeah, That's no, it. I'm I'm open to it. I, I think it's fantastic. And I know you're familiar with this guy, Parker Edmondson, recently on Instagram, and I think Twitter as well, has been making these really interesting videos showing his backyard experiments. And around the same time I saw those videos, I started getting clued into what you were doing, listening to Generation Z and also hearing what you had to say on the Union of the Unwanted. So yeah, man, it's really interesting stuff you're working on. Before we go into maybe the like more nitty gritty sort of details, what sure. what drives this for you? Because you're clearly a very intelligent person. You're clearly very motivated. I mean, you never stop. Like every day, you're working on something, and it's 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 easily noticeable. So what's what's the drive, man? Because you're you're inspirational for sure. I appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you right now, for me, it's very, there's a, it's a few different things. First off, it's purely just intuition, but it's also more than that in terms of, for me, it's that I don't come from a background where I've had any formal education beyond high school. And the fact that I've been able to be graciously stumble upon such an opportunity, it's as simple as I just don't want to lose it. It's as simple as that. And, and that's what keeps me going. But at the same time, it's not like I wake up in the morning and I go, holy crap, I got to record some episodes, work on some papers, run, you know, do some equations for, for the, the, the company I've been doing for consulting. It's not like that for me. For me, it's literally like, you know, OK, let, let's let's get going. But this right. is also why to reciprocate if it wasn't for our series and i really mean this brother if it was not for our series there were there were some aspects and elements to my assembling this generator i would not have thought of or perceived in a certain way if it wasn't for your discussion on magnetization mm. so it's it's really my it, and one of the reasons i'm trying to bring this public in the in as much as i can is because i'm trying to do my best to you know in many different forms give back and I know a lot of people will say, for example, well, how could you give back if, you know, you've signed with, you know, you've, you've, you've NDA'd yourself or things like this. Well, this is the part where very unfortunately, 
it gets very complicated in the sense of both in people, there are various elements within the intelligence and national security and academic communities that are still clashing behind the scenes as we speak. Some want this out, some don't want this out at all. The thing as well is that, and I'll I'll finish with this, tapping what's called anti-gravity does not just tap anti-gravity. It also taps what we would call free energy. It also taps, I know this is a bold statement, but it taps things like telekinesis, the ability to... No, no, um, no, no. I I don't think it's bold, bold at all, and I don't mean to interject, but I just want to add detail to what you're saying. You, you you complimented me about adding the magnetism ley line stuff to the equation. And yeah. I appreciate that. But I, obviously, I didn't create the Earth, so I'm not going to take credit for it. I just <laughs> think that, that the Earth geometry has been absolutely fascinating to me for whatever reason, right? So here are two genuine intuitive interests combined, right? Because we didn't know each other. We were just two podcasters. I said, this guy seems cool. Let me hit him up. We got in touch and we started building, right? And we built some ideas and we had six or seven really cool episodes. So to hear that that little nugget made its way into your overall sort of hypothesis, I... 100% appreciate you taking the time to point that out. And I also just want to say, like, we can't discount that element, right? Because we're that's the grid we're standing on, right? And I think so many people get caught up, especially in the materialists, like scientific, academic world. They get so caught up in the device that they forget that the devices that they're creating are a part of an ecosystem. They're a part of an energy field. And that's what you're describing. And Maybe it's the Copernican model that's given us this sort of dead version of gravity. But what you're saying makes complete sense, I think, to my audience who's very familiar with like the electromagnetic view of the universe where we're all sort of in this pool of electromagnetic ether. I could not have... Bang on. I would I would agree with that completely in terms of, again, just like with respects to... What was it called? Uh... What are the sensory deprivation tanks, for Mm, example? If you took a human being and put them in a a pool of water where the pool of water was the exact temperature of that particular individual, other than them having issues breathing, if they went fully, you know, head under, they would not know they're in water. The same thing, in my opinion, is this is applied here with respects to what we call, quote unquote, empty space. It is constantly fluctuating with all of these very beautiful in which some of which um, are existing all around us currently, but need to be activated via certain conditions, not necessarily technological conditions. I would dare to say alchemical conditions and scientific conditions. But in addition to that as well, and I appreciate you saying that because you you worded it perfectly, man. Nature is the world, the cosmos is basically giving us, in my opinion, the, I don't want to say the keys, but they're trying to lead us there. The na- nature is telling us to model things in a particular way. So we follow that particular model. So for example, there was a clip I saw the other day when, I don't know where exactly it was, but a very viral clip, I think it was Twitter, where you saw someone, I believe it was in, in the, the Asia, continent of Asia, but I could be wrong. Someone blew into a blowhorn. And they had a particular curve to the blow horn. And, and the, when they blew into this horn, what would happen is water from many, many miles below in this valley would just spring up. I would dare to say my, the generator, as I call it, it acts in that same particular regard. It, there's no difference between electromagnetism and the way we see water waves move in the ocean. 
Wow. In so, my opinion. So the, this device potentially that someone could create would work in that same way where, you know, you blow a horn and it calls forth this underground stream. You kick off this device, whatever this device may be, and I hope we can get into describing it a little bit or, or at yep. least the concept. This device, just like the horn, calls forth an energy source. It's not water per se, but it's a, right. a, a, a flow of energy. Absolutely, 100%. And then what one does with that energy is up to them. Now, I do want to say as well that fortunately and unfortunately, for as beautiful as this science is, basically, it is indiscernible from what our ancestors called, quote unquote, magic. And that's why I say, for example, it, it really is everything that you're doing with your show. I would just humbly encourage to just keep pursuing everything, all the concepts you're pursuing, because you're very warm, in my opinion. But basically, on the other end of that, just like a magnet, you got the positive and you got the negative attraction. On the, on the negative side, the very unfortunate thing is that some adjustments made to, to this generator, not just mine, but to others that have tapped this as well, can be very easily turned into a weapon, whether it's a particle beam weapon, a plasma weapon, a, a certain electromagnetic forces that, that just like we discussed, if the ether is a fluid, could repel or push or use itself to bounce off that fluid into a particular direction in which would unfortunate, uh, very sadly put things like, or I don't know, it depends how you look at it, but put guns and nukes out of business in a moment. So I'm not trying to defend the national security issue where it's always, oh, well, we can't tell you that it's, not, it's a matter of national security. In my opinion, 40 to 60% of the times those answers are given is because it's a national security issue for the government, not for us. Because if we discovered how to do it, there would be loss of a control structure in that regard, because who would need to pay bills for electricity, for hydro, things right. like this. But on the other hand, the other problem is it literally, if, if this gets in the hands of some very negative people, let alone some guy who's pissed off at his ex-girlfriend or whatever, and decides to get very emotional and, you know, sadly uh, use it on, on such, there's, there's, there's a genuine problem. So I, this is where I'm trying my best publicly to tiptoe, but also give as many more than hints as I can, essentially. Right, right. Yeah, no, you definitely put yourself in a, a very precarious position uh, when you're <laughs> yeah. inventing something that could potentially be, you know, groundbreaking, right, and have that dual use. And I would even argue that it's skewed towards the negative unfortunately not through anything you're doing but through just the system that we're structured in it's skewed towards that negative expression so you know unfortunately i think the probability is much more high that it'd be used to hurt rather than to heal and free but i think it's a matter of frequency and tuning just the same way we can frequent you know tune our minds to a positive frequency through our emotion and controlling our emotions, we can tune, you know, our technology to be equally beneficial, right? So that's the goal. But unfortunately, the system is geared towards that negative down skewing of things, because that's how their control paradigm operates. Bang, bang on. As a matter of fact, the poster you have to the right of you, the spiral, that is actually one way in which the energy disperses itself when the generator is turned on. Wow. So yeah, can we get into maybe the schematics a little bit? Obviously, there are things you don't want to reveal, and I respect that. But 
for maybe people who, I don't know, want to go about <laughs> recreating this somehow. I'm sure those folks are out there. Maybe we can give them a, a couple sure. of clues without giving away the whole kit and caboodle. I Absolutely. Well, first, just to give some context, but diving into this, the basically what happened was I could, I could then conducted such experiments across both Canada and the United States in closed laboratory settings in order to confirm these the these experimental results and all of that in various forms to ensure that what we had there was not anything that was like you know a fluke of some type of you know radio frequency that just so happened to just have some type of phenomenon whatever it's it. With that said, there are basically a handful of different ways derived from what's called first principles in terms of accessing the underlying, I guess you could say, space-time metric, what's underneath it, what's underneath that fabric. There are a handful of different ways it could be done. In some cases, it can be done with liquids. In some cases, it can be done with simply city and various forms of magnets. Other cases, things like copper. Other things such as sound as well. But to specify the, the exact description of the device, it's probably about two, three feet in width, five, four to Mm, th three to four and a half feet in height, I would say. It is comprised of aluminum, copper, wood, um, some uh, aspects of tungsten, as well as certain various forms of, we could say, um, lead, basically. In, in certain arrangements. Now, I do want to be honest with yourself and the audience. There are a few things I'm leaving out for the sake of Honestly, for I have I got to cover my own ass with all respect, but it, it is something that I say very strongly and avidly that our ancestors did very much understand and are trying to tell us have been trying to tell us for very long. Now, these components, you don't have to reveal the exact specifics, but are they exotic or are they things that generally people would consider like mundane? It's it's the, the combination of these things that are sort of new, right? It's not that, oh, you found some kind of asteroid deposit no. and you're using some no. kind of special material, right? This isn't moon rocks that makes this thing run. No, <laughs> no. as a matter of fact, I, I would say that the metallurgies that are the metamaterials that are being investigated now, particularly in the UAP UFO field, Mm. and extending into the high strangeness, I would dare to say that's something completely different with respects to that has nothing to do with propulsion. I can say that I am of the humble opinion that this stuff has been cracked many decades ago, perhaps even prior to World War II. Right. In terms of our modern history, obviously we look big picture. It's been, it's been a while, but in terms of, to your point, it is the combination of these types of metals. Now, one thing that I can say is that it's not so much what the metal is made out of, it is so much as it, as it is what one does to the metal. Mm. As a matter of fact, one can use the popcorn bowl in their kitchen and it will it will work. So that I, that is one of the reasons, again, going back to the whole, it's a matter of national security. More for them than it is for us. But right. yeah. Right. Yeah. And the implications are very serious, whether positive or negative, because positive, it could lead unfortunately to just as much of a crisis right because the system is set up a certain way dependent on oil and electricity and you know these things that maybe aren't so cross compatible with free energy right and and i wonder right. if you think that this push towards these like digital cities is in some way a covert attempt to kind of set up that situation where they can use free energy maybe secretly 
so that people don't really realize that they're, you know, paying for something that's free. <laughs> you nailed it. I'll give you a perfect example. It's come to the under my understanding that not just in the West, but around the world, this stuff is going to have to come out because of the natural procession of the cosmos and where things are going with respects to our advancement and hopefully ascension as a species. What I mean by that is basically, for example, imagine you're sleeping in, in, in your bedroom and the windows cracked open and you live in a place that's, that gets cold during the winter. When people talk of, for example, the age of Aquarius and things like this, with respects to, you know, people say, well, oh man, it's, you know, it's the age of Aquarius. Everybody's waking up. Well, okay. I don't, I don't discount that. I respect that. But I, I just like the same way when people use the word quantum, it's like, what does that mean? You see what I'm saying? So I liken the age of Aquarius, for example, of which we are in currently to sleeping in your bedroom with the window open on a cold winter night. And are, is one going to feel the cold breeze more so if they have one blanket on or if they have five blankets on, they're going to feel it mo much more if they only have one layer of a blanket on. That is what the age of Aquarius is with respects to frequencies. In my opinion, blankets in this example represent frequency densities. And so what we're seeing is an opening of this knowledge through what we call empty space. The, the fluctuations that are interacting with us that make us go, hold on a second, whether it's politically or otherwise, make us go... That's not right. Hold on. They're telling us what they're going to do, and then they do it. You see what I mean? So this does not just speak to anti-gravity. This speaks to the entire encompassment, in my opinion, of what we call life, basically. So in other words, that is one element to me that is very philosophical. And that's one of the things that really inspires me because my, if I wanted to, I guess you could say, keep this stuff secret, make a bunch of money and then just go shut up and live in some, you know, whatever I would be working towards that as we speak. But I, that is not my intent. Obviously, you know, who wouldn't want some money? I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But at the same time, I do believe this should and can be shared in a controlled way. I, I hate to use the word control, but speaking to that, how easy it is to weaponize things in a, in a particular manner. So mm. basically, to give, safe, there we go in, in the way that, but I do not want to conflate the word safe, safe way or the word safe way with the way the government does it now mm. saying, you know, oh, it's for your own good. I'm not like that. That's mm. the, the sort of thing I'm dealing with behind the scenes on how to sort of, I guess you could say perturb that right now but mm. to go back directly to what you were saying initially with your with your great question for example there's a canadian company i don't remember the name off the top of my head this company what they do is they've come into the market and i don't know if they're competing with tesla or what the situation is but the point is is that they're electric cars and you purchase the car but you rent the battery on a monthly basis like a netflix subscription that is because just like when Randall Carlson said on Joe Rogan, he said it has to do with plasmoids and resonant frequencies and abundant energies. Plasmoids, plasmas, absolutely, I fully agree. Resonant frequencies like oscillations, vibrations, absolutely. But when he said abundant energy, and I say this very carefully, he had to, in my opinion, watch his words because it's not abundant. It's much more than abundant. Perhaps it, perhaps it's infinite, but how does one tap that and keep a business model behind it? So this goes back to the example of the car. You purchase the car, the shell is yours, the engine is yours, but the battery's got to be rented on a monthly basis. So right. and, that's, and, and, that's one attempt. 
And this is hypothetically what maybe they're working on behind the scenes. They don't want this free energy tech out until they have a system to sort of guise it under so that people don't start saying, well, why don't we get more of this if it's free, right? I mean, maybe it's the same reason why they aren't telling us that they can desalinate the oceans because then, you know, water should be free, right? They don't tell us how much water is in these aquifers because then maybe we wouldn't want to pay so much for it. (laughs) This this device, to your point, can actually create what's known as distilled water as well. So there goes the whole need for, you know, purchasing distilled water out of a, from, from a company or a a bottle or whatever. So, yeah. Well, and this is kind of exciting because it sounds like this device is dual purpose. Is this something that maybe people, and maybe more than dual purpose, maybe it's multi-purpose. Is this something that people could theoretically one day use, have with them, travel with, maybe, you know, if it's distilling water, I'm sure it does a bunch of other interesting things that maybe humans can utilize. Medical. Is it something Medical. like that where maybe it would be in a perfect world, an app, uh, appliance in everyone's home or in everyone's travel kit? What if this is going to be, a, again, a bold statement. I'm just asking people to be open to and not believe it. But what if I told you it's already been, been implemented in the last five, 10 years into our cars, into our phones, just hasn't been turned on. Access- Turn, yeah. Wow. Huh. Uh, turned on. Now, with that said, that's not like, for example, you can start disassembling your phone and say, okay, you know, what, what's in it? There's something. Certain arrangements of materials in, in consumer products have already been put into place so that when it is time for this to fully come out, they can go, I mean, sure, you know, they could say you got to buy the new model, but for those that can't afford it, oh, what do you know? It just so happens there's material in, you know, the, the, the previous phones right. or cars that allow for some of it to work. Right. For $300, you go down to the shop and they'll, con- they'll convert it for you or some bulk. Right. Right. This yeah. will, this is another form of making initial fee income or something like this. Yes. Right. Now, do I agree with it? Again, I can't control the world. And those that have tried to sort of bring this stuff out freely in the past have had very unfortunate things occur to them personally. I'm trying to really skirt that line. Yeah. So, Well, and I was just about to hopefully segue into that because the audience is probably very familiar with someone like Nikola Tesla, slightly more familiar or less familiar with Wilhelm Reich. I also know of a guy who's probably veritably unknown, John Worrell Keeley, who lived in Pennsylvania and was basically creating free energy devices, I think, in the early 1800s, like before Tesla way before Tesla. And so there's a long line of, of, of inventors like this, and they've been yep. sort of, well, they've been lionized as geniuses, but they've also had some tragic ends as well. Do you think that that is myth now that you're sort of in the lab yourself? Do you think it, it's so you know, unattainable that these guys had to be geniuses and now you're kind of standing on their shoulders to some degree because a lot of this work's been done? Or are, are you thinking maybe that this is something that is kind of simple and it's just our system has kept us away from this understanding? I will say, first off, I would not put liken myself to those guys, although I appreciate you <laughs> considering that, but it is very simple to the point where it's under one's noses, to the point where it's like, a reaction I've gotten behind the scenes by some PhDs is like, no, are you kidding me? And then they go and they, they go, they've 
gone and experimented and they call me back and they go, holy cow. <laughs> like so, it was right under their nose. They couldn't believe it. <laughs> yep. I, I will say that exactly. There are reasons, for example, that certain products in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, even all the way up to the 90s were transitioned out and or replaced via you know other methods, whether it has to do with everything from cars to furniture. Mm. dare I say. So yes, absolutely. Well, it, it's, um, it's interesting yeah. to note on that point how sci-fi used to have a sort of like campy, optimistic vibe. And you see from the 60s to the 90s, how that just became like this, you know, dystopian matrix, yep. you know, like we're like the future is going to be bad. And I wonder if like that's because, you know, people had this technology we're kind of talking about here way back then. And just like now there are people behind the scenes who know about it. They sort of rumor about it. You know, people are excited. And, and over time there's this apathy that's developed because everyone's like, well, why don't we have it yet? And the government, you know, they're, they're off, you know, building mountain bunkers and using this technology. I couldn't agree more. This so for one thing I will say for those that are perhaps whether yourself or to your audience that are interested in looking into this stuff, one does not need to be just to be clear an academic or anything of the sort. Quite to the contrary, a lot of people who I've spoken to behind the scenes who are deep in the what you would call deep black projects or budgets or you name it or compartments and departments have very little if no formal education because their creativity and intuition allowed them to be more open to questioning things whereas for and this is no jab at the academic community there's some phenomenally smart people from there but because of the the confinement of the teaching system and mechanism it's always been since you know you were in high school and onward no it can't be this way it's it must be this way because you know i this is why for example people like yourself what you have in your Honestly, your awesome background with the spiral posters and all of that, that is more accurate than any of the academics I've spoken to that have said, "Could you know, what about this visual, Dave? What about this? What about that? I, I really do mean that because it is that under our noses, if you will, very mm. similar to dropping a rock in a pond or a lake when you see that ripple effect. We must consider, in my opinion, that the ripple effect that is seen is no different than the Wi-Fi symbol for example, are no different than the symbols, the frequencies emitted when microwaves are even, you know, popping popcorn or heating up the popcorn or heating up food or something like this. Now, with that said, I would encourage people that are interested to go and take a look, particularly at the work from the 1800s of not just Nikola Tesla, people like Maxwell, people like Heaviside, people like Lorenz. These are individuals that if one can find their original source papers, it is very different than what is written today. And what I mean by that is you have a lot of academics today that will say, well, no, I read the the, the Maxwell paper. I read the heavy side paper. I read the, the pointing paper. I didn't see anything in it. And I would say, well, respectfully, did you read what someone wrote about the paper or did you read the original paper? And they would look and go, oh, I read what someone wrote. That's where the 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 dissonance occurs, the butchering, if you will. Right. That's where I would say to people, truly, the old, old stuff. If anyone has any books from prior to World War II and even better prior to World War One, you will see, for example, that in the scientific community, the ether, and they called it that, was accepted as fact. And Einstein thought for a certain point of years that it would that there was no ether because of what was called the Michelson-Morley experiment. 
But then he found out, no, 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 that can't be the case because of other calculations and experiments. He reintroduced it before he died. Mm. It's just not a well-known subject or a topic. Right, and I've recently spoken to a man named Simon Shack, who's written a book about what he rediscovered, which is the Tycho's Tychosium, as he calls it. It's a Tycho's model, which it's not a heliocentric model of the solar system, and it's not a geocentric model. It's a geoheliocentric, meaning the Earth is in the center and the sun is rotating around it. But the reason I brought that up is becoming foggier and foggier as I explain more about Simon Shack. What were we just talking about? Actually, no no problem at all. I'm talking about the 1800s and looking at the original work. Right. Of, of, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that Simon mentioned is that the Michelson-Morley experiment was a complete, utter, like, forgery in the sense that they took their data and made it fit their previous bias for what they were looking to confirm with this experiment. And that erroneously has sort of helped people forget ether and some of these more yep. important concepts. And Einstein as well has a streak of, of being distrustful, but I have heard that in his later years, he sort of turned the corner on a lot of the things that maybe he was pushed to promote because, you know, he he's an interesting person. He, he was born with a mental illness and then became a, a, what we're told is a, a genius-like mind. But by, you know, today's standards, he would have been like riding the short bus in, in a, a special class. Like he wasn't exactly like the, the smartest individual in his youth. So I don't know. I'm not trying to discount that. No, I know that's that that could be a sign of genius, but I also think that may be a sign of like somebody being used like an MK Ultra sort of candidate where, you know, they I take someone Yeah, they take someone to sort of compromise mentally and, and make them appear to be smarter than they are. I, I right. And I will say as well, for example, that general relativity, as it's been called it's been stated that, you know, it is good, but it is not complete. I would argue very humbly that, in fact, I don't know if it was Einstein himself that completed it, but it was certainly completed far before then. But in terms of speaking to modern relative times, he knew what was missing, in my humble opinion, before he passed. He was familiar with this sort of dual ether extraterrestrial scenario, interdimensional, intradimensional, extradimensional, things like this. He, as a matter of fact, I have a letter that he wrote, I believe, to President Truman where he recommended don't don't be hostile with these things like with these these non-humans in engage in peace and then Truman just ignored what he said which speaks to what you were saying about he was it was very iffy you're right his career very interesting very peculiar in terms of there were very strong inconsistencies but with that said the last few years of his life he seemed to be very similar to a lot of people like for example Ben Rich former Lockheed Martin Works Division, who had been known for saying, you know, we we have everything you can think of. We're far ahead of Star Wars and Star Trek combined, but it would take an act of God for this stuff to come out. Things like this. For even another individual, J. Allen Hynek, who had said, you know, he had to go with the narrative of, you know, UFOs are just swamp gas, that famous Michigan incident. These are all individuals that in their later years, initially at first thought that this stuff should stay secret because the masses were not ready. But all three of them admitted to on some on their deathbed, some not just prior admitted to their friends, wives, colleagues, assistants, you name it, 
they made a mistake in covering this up because they realized the one, the people, the individuals, the small group of individuals or groups of individuals covering this stuff up were in fact doing more damage than if this stuff were to come out. Right. And that's what, that's, what's so tricky about this. And, you know, I don't know how far you go down this sort of World War II rabbit hole, but we did talk about it in certain episodes of the Elemental Philosopher Forum, which still exists on your feed and mine. Folks can go back and listen to our series that we did together. We talked about the nuclear test site and how that connected to some weird stuff. But this whole Nazi bell and... It's connection, which I don't hear many people draw this connection, but I instantly thought of this when I saw it. The Kecksburg UFO incident in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, where eyewitnesses saw what looked like a bell-shaped object fall into a field. It had some strange runes carved into it, which we know connects to Germany and their idea of, you know, Norse magic. They were definitely familiar with runes. Do you think that, A, some of that technology that the Nazis were using is connected at all to the kind of stuff that you're sort of seeing and working on, like this idea of anti-gravity? What Do you think it was sort of figured out by them, or is that a bunch of war propaganda? I say with complete confidence based on very strong evidence I've seen that, yeah, they had it. Mm. It's very similar, if not identical to what I had cracked. Hence why I say I'm not the first one to crack it. Mm. It was more so the way that I unified certain concepts and then presented it to people in the DOD and things like this. Ultimately, because, you know, I got swarmed initially and then after, you know, presented in that regard. But yes, I would say very much so In, in addition to the Mesopotamians, the Sumerians, and the Egyptians. Absolutely. And do you think that's part of why they were able to swarm, so to speak, with their men in black or strange, you know, semi-threatening officials? Like, do you think they have some kind of technology that detects when people, you know, break this, you know, whatever barrier energy threshold that oh, these I, kind I, of I guarantee break. you. Well, absolutely. And I'll tell you why. I tried to file a patent with the Canadian Patent Office for a detector of this stuff. The patent disappeared. I called the next week inquiring about it with the patent number and they said they had no record of it. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, this is why it can. It is so under our noses with respects to wanting to make a detector, wanting to you name it. Yeah, it can. It can it can be done. And I say this with respects to the more I, I, you know, whether theoretically I do my calculations, I go apply it to the generator, you know, the back and forth. The more I realize, the more I learn, so to speak, the more I realize I don't know crap from crap (laughs) because there's so much to learn. It's like, which, where do you want to go? You want to go into chemistry? You want to go into optics? You want to go into propulsion? At some, you want to go into the medical area for this stuff at some point, you know, you want to go into neurology at some point, you just got to pick a couple different areas because there's such a plethora of so many different way concepts to dive into. You just got to pick an area in or one or maybe two and then focus on them, which is what I've been doing with, with the, with the company I started, because as much as I'd love to jump all over the place, you're not going to make progress if you spread yourself too thin. Right. Right. That- so that's very wise of you and efficient, but 
when it comes to the patent office, I think that was an aspect of John Worrell Keeley's story where the patent office hadn't been totally that powerful yet or operating the way it is now. And they kind of, you know, what do they call it? Circled the wagons, so to speak, around this guy using the patent office so that his yeah. free energy devices basically couldn't make it into the commercial economy. So, you know, what do you think's going on with the patent office? Do you think that they have all of this stuff on record or is it just a bureaucracy, a sort of boundary to keep, you know, people like yourself from having some kind of legitimacy in these discoveries that clearly they are already working on behind the scenes? Truthfully, I think it's just like, for example, what some people have theorized or hypothesized about the film industry, for example, with, you know, with respects to does everyone working there? Are they all, you know, bad people? No. But are there elements of individuals in which may or may not be associated or directly working for intelligence agencies that that is their job to deliberately look for anything that stands out and squash it? Yeah. Including the patent office. Right. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very weird. So. You know, you're up there, you get a visit. How do you feel about that now? I mean, it doesn't seem to deter you from working on this stuff. Were they threatening? I mean, how yes. would you say your life was in danger? I mean... It, initially, there, there, there was an attempt to, to, to be threatening towards me for some reason. And I, I, I want to be very clear, not trying to sound macho or anything like this. I, you know, there was one point where there was, uh, there was an intimidation situation where I didn't leave the house for even a couple weeks. So just to be clear, it, 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 there are certain scenarios where, yes, it scared the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. But it, the initial knock on the door was not so much a intimidating interpretation that I took it as so much as it was shit I'm onto something it's kind of like there I mean I, I kind of saw it as and I applied I try to apply this even on my my show and on my patreon where basically I say to people on our private group zoom calls remember you are the source in the sense of the bank needs your money the bank needs you not the other way around I, I try and, you know, relate this in a positive way. You're the source of your life, which, you know, could speak to manifestation, you name it. So to bring it full circle, they knocked on my door, not because I made a mistake, but because I got something. Hmm. Because if I didn't get anything, there would be no knock on the door. There would be no jets checking things out when I introduced microwaves. Right. You see what I'm saying? So to microwaves to the generators, things like this. So that told me something. Now, with that said... Did I get ballsy and kept pushing it? 100%. 100%. And that's when, a few, you know, a few months after that, I went quiet again. You know, for those that were, that are on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Generation Z this past summer, I put a Patreon post out saying, hey, I'm going to be going quiet for probably the next month. If some of you want to leave the Patreon, I understand. Nobody did very, very graciously. There was, you know, some did, but enough stayed around to support me, which I'm still very grateful of and gracious of and have tried to, you know, return the favor in that manner. But yeah, there, there's been some ups and downs, if you will. And so only recently have I been comfortable enough to really have a grasp on the science to be able to know when I need to stop talking. And in addition to, you know, feeling comfortable enough to say, okay, I have a better understanding in my humble opinion of the landscape 
in general. And now I know, I don't know the entire landscape. I don't think anyone truly does with respects to the science, the, the academic world merging with the intelligence world in this regard, but certainly enough to say, okay, I can, I can talk now. Right. Now, do you yeah. think it, there's a benefit to the approach that it seems Parker Edmondson is taking where he's filming a lot of his experiments? Do you think that would offer some sort of protection because you know a lot of what happens with this stuff is people you know are taken out and the narrative is controlled whereas if you have a record that's public you're live streaming you're podcasting you're posting videos i mean it's hard to control that narrative if you know unless they wipe you from the internet right so do you think that there's like a benefit to having the podcast or or maybe you know conducting things the way you you're doing it do you plan on like taking a camera to some of these experiments at any point in the future as a matter of fact one of the reasons I'm, i've been speaking out more aggressively is because the show has been sort of not just a, a teaching learning you know a, a sort of tit for tat type i guess you could say apparatus that i truly love doing but it's also been truthfully a form of i think in my opinion slight protection if anything were to occur or whatever certain safeguards may or may not have already would have been put into place where it would go on certain you know platforms or what have you now with that said i also in fact did film some of this and i put it on my youtube as a youtube short it got removed as not medical but scientific misinformation within 24 hours wow i put some i i i, I in fact did which i i did not in, in fairness i did not film anything that was like you know oh, did i get a car floating or something like this but enough of an object to create a a, a a perturbation in the local field above the directly above the generator mm -hmm. that then basically made it whoosh off if you will and then that's when i essentially you know cut the video and then i i then moved it to my face and for those that are interested in the science i basically said you know i used one term and then i said you have to slash that basically right. and then that was sort of a hint as well to the those that may have been on my case to sort of say like you know listen there's this mechanism i have that if you know you want to take me off of youtube or you want to take me off of spotify or what have you it may say something to my audience to only support me even more right. or to inquire about you know where's dave how's he doing and i don't make i mean to make it about me i want to ensure the information carries on no, That's yeah. All. Well, and, and you deserve to have that safeguard doing this work that is altruistic. I mean, you know, this obviously couldn't be used by just one person. If you do figure out that the government is hiding free energy and you can prove it or anything. I mean, that's a very bold way to sum that up. But if you can make a breakthrough that's scientific and protect yourself through the public, I think that's what freedom of speech and freedom of press are designed to do. Unfortunately, Canada, you might not have the same constitutional, as I'm saying that, I'm like, Dave's not an American. <laughs> but, you know, right. that being said, you, you are broadcasting to a bunch of Americans. So who knows? Maybe we'll offer you a, a place down here and you can come move into the freedom of America and, and, and start cool. operating out of here. Do you think there's a benefit to being in a different country or do you feel comfortable up there in Canada? Oh, I, I absolutely. And this is just personally, I will say that I find the 
the ability to be able to allow for certain legalities and business, I guess you could say methods in a positive manner to be done, much more so in America than Canada. But with that said, I am currently, as of the time we're recording this, and for the last two weeks, I take I, I leave this coming weekend back home. I'm currently in the south of the oh, States. Cool. Uh, do, doing doing the work I'm doing for SALT, which is stands for Strategic Analysis and Assessment of Longitudinal Technologies. So what'll what'll happen? Not to you know go left field here, but there are individuals that have reached out, for example, that don't care about the propulsion. They know it exists because they've seen it before, or you know you name it uh, via other conduits or people. But they understand this is the same underlying energy that is able to give more of an understanding of consciousness and subconsciousness for that matter. And so a lot of people, as a matter of fact, some of which I'm doing consulting for, they're looking on how to, I know this may sound strange, but they're looking on how to die properly. What I mean by that is they've noticed, for example, that there's been um, these, these ancient scriptures, writings, stories, drawings, details that show the passing of the physical body under a particular pyramid of sorts or particular geometric structure. And they're looking as to perhaps say, for example, okay, specifically those that I guess you could say are either retired. In some cases, I will admit as well, for example, people out in, you know, Hollywood, you name it, that sort of, let's face it, people with money who are bored, in other words, that want to, for lack of a better term, I guess you could say, live much longer than our current carbon-based body allows us to, which makes, which then takes us to the point that they seem to have an understanding or even a vague one, some more than others, that there's a difference between the body and the soul, the mind and the brain. So in other words, you know, you can, for example, let's use me, you can cut my arms off, you can cut my legs off, but I'm still me. I'm still Dave. What makes Mark, Mark, what makes Dave, Dave ultimately. And so there's an under there's a theory, for example, that our soul may in fact be residing within, for lack of a better term, a vessel, a container in which we would, you know, describe our, our body as such. Mm. And so some people are are saying, okay, well, if that is the case, in not a sort of an AI, you know, brain in the chip scenario, I personally am not a fan of that kind of stuff, but in an organic fashion, similar to how the ancients may have did it via alchemy and otherwise, is there a way to take for lack of a better term, the soul, and move it to another body or container without this whole chip in the head scenario. And I will say as well is that when you look, for example, at someone like Klaus Schwab, when he says that, the not to get political, but when he says at the World Economic Forum, for example, you know, in the next 10 years, everyone's going to be able to read each other's minds through a chip or something like this, right? We're all going to be able to speak to each other in a telekinetic manner. That's all fine and dandy in my opinion, but my whole thing ultimately with that is basically why not introduce the other angle of this, even more than one other angle, with respects to there's an organic way to do it. No chips in the brains are needed. There's a natural way to do this, just like the way our hearts beat in correspondence with the earth and in correspondence, believe it or not, with the ley lines as well that a lot of people are looking at, are looking into, but it is not offered as some type of official proposition to the masses by people like Klaus Schwab or others. Mm. Because, in my opinion, it's very simple. If they introduce that option, it can't be controlled. Right. So it's something that cannot be controlled whatsoever, and it's something that seems to be, again, it's a tough line to, 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 to walk because, you know, with no control, and I don't like the word 
I mean, are we under a form of control now? Absolutely. But with there being no form of, I, I guess we could say oversight or, you know, whatever you want to call it, with there being no form of such, it becomes a very serious issue with respects to this technology also creates the enablement of being able to, for example, cut, take, take literally a, a, a piece of wood or a, just a nail, an, an aluminum nail and put it through a, a wall or something very dense, even a, a you know, asphalt or a driveway like a knife going through butter, for example. And so this becomes an issue with respects to, and I, I don't mean that, I'm not trying to say that this issue is something that should be then deterred or blocked by some sort of chip in the brain scenario. I'm, I'm not for that whatsoever, personally. I believe in the natural way with the planet, with the earth and all that. But it's sort of like, for example, if people start having, you know, suits that can, you know, they put a suit on and, and they could walk through walls, or as a matter of fact, maybe no suit, maybe just with their intent, they can do it in this physical reality. What are they going to, what, what's going to be done? You can't walk through walls after 7 p.m. How's one going to police that? Now, I'm not saying that it shouldn't come out because of that, but I think there should be some form of a balance established. I think, you know, because again, it's, let's face it, I'll use a practical example. What stops some, some, you know, a pedophile from going and walking into a house or something like this, of which he has no business being in, just walking through the walls of it. How are you going to, how are you going to police that? So this is this is one of those back and forth scenarios that I don't claim to have the answer to. But it, this is why, as a matter of fact, I would say that advancing the spiritual element of individuals is very vital, which is why I have immense respect for you and what you're doing with the show, because there's no official form of teaching spirituality in the school system. There's no official form of I'm not saying there is one way to teach it. There are many different ways, but. For example, we see that there have been tests done on people with telekinesis capabilities, which everyone has, in my opinion, called it's along the lines of pan neuropathy or pan biopsychicism. And basically what what, for example, Dr. Dean Radin, what he found when testing people, whether it has to do with predicting certain events, remote viewing, you name it, the hit rate or success rate of the individual was on average 25 percent. And people might think that's not much. Well, we have to keep in mind. This is activating a muscle, dare I say, that within the mind specifically, that has not been used for God knows how long. Just like you can't just go into the gym and bench 300 pounds. You start slowly on the bench press. You work your way up. It's the same thing. Now, it was found in this study, and multiple of them, by the way, many of them, that people who were naturally more spiritual, artistic, and into the alchemical angle of things, had a 50% hit rate, success rate off the bat. So what does that tell us if people practice this muscle? And the muscle I'm speaking on, we can speak, we can call it the pineal gland. Simple as that. So, yeah. So it seems like there's a strange connection to the afterlife and the pineal gland. And we kind of started talking about it, and and then you finished with the pineal gland. So I just want to point that out because sure. when you were talking about the, you know, that idea that they're making some kind of a device or structure that guides you through the afterlife or something, or guides you to the next phase. I think the Egyptians had a whole science around that, and I think part of what they would do to mummies was pull their brain out from their nose in order to, you know, get their pineal gland. Can you hear the weather siren behind in the, you can't hear it. No. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I think there's a, a tornado or a hurricane coming. That's weird. Oh, wow. 
Which we don't uh, normally get the, these kind of storms in the first last days of November, first days of December, but that's weird. Anyways, um, what um, do you think the, the biggest it, implications of, of this is? I mean, philosophically speaking. Oh man, dude! I first off, I appreciate the question because you're, you're you're talking, you're asking right up my alley now. I think the and this can be. I know I'm just making claims, but this can be scientifically substantiated and accounted for. I think that what we call the afterlife is actually the beginning of perhaps, dare I say, the real life. I think where we are right now is the quote unquote dream, or if you will, for lack of a better term. I think. What happens after the, the the physical container passes is something very beautiful. It is the next step. Now, there have been some conspiratorial remarks or hypotheses or postulations that, for example, you know, the there's something suppressing us from ascending. There's some type of soul trap. I'll be honest with you. I don't mean to sound negative or malevolent here, glass half empty. I don't rule that out either. Based on scientific data of various kinds, particularly what I'm doing with the company and and, and things like that with salt and all of this, but I don't rule that out whatsoever. So in other words, my, my take philosophically is that it's the joy is in the journey, just like the caduceus, just like the Naga, just like the DNA double helix in our own bodies. It is truly life is movement. I was having a conversation with, with someone on our Patreon last night and a, a new member, very nice gentleman. And he says to me, he goes, you know, looking back in history, I noticed things, for example, he goes, you ever just think of the name Shakespeare from an etymological perspective? He goes, you know, you're shaking the spear. Well, if we see, for example, that this is, you know, a spear for my hand here and you shake it, what you're doing is you're perturbing the sphere, the spear, excuse me, and you're creating the wave function. And what you're doing with the wave function, the up and down, is that you then, the spear is the, the center of the caduceus. In other words, you're creating that ebb and flow state, very similar to your poster on the wall there, very similar to the way waves and water move. So I would say philosophically to me, that speaks to also why I didn't get really spooked on the initial knock on the door with respects to, you know, you got to shut up about this kind of stuff. Because it told me that there's some, there's a there there. At the time, I didn't know exactly what it was. I had still thought it was simply anti-gravity and nothing more. But, you know, as the months went on, with rigorous, rigorous study of and, and, and guidance from some individuals as well. I must admit that I can't say I did all this on my own. It, 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 in fact, came to be something very beautiful. And this is where, again, it becomes what in science is called topology, where it's indiscernible from magic, where, for example, I'll give a perfect example for the ladies in your audience. Say, for example, you go out and you have your purse on you. And you say, for example, my gosh, holy crap, I forgot my phone. I forgot my wallet. But you're already at the restaurant or the movie theater that you had planned to go to. Imagine being able to look and open your purse and you reach into your purse. And as you reach in, your hand appears back in your bedroom to grab the wallet that you forgot, for example. That is what it is. So wormholes pocket dimensions is this kind of what we're talking about here like the ability to like be in one place like one of those dolls like in one place but actually in another place like the metaverse like you walk through a door in your house and all of a sudden you're like in a new realm it was called ropes in i, I forgot which culture specifically but now we call it traversable wormholes you know pocket dimensions Absolutely. 
it, without a shot, I will say that I, I'll be honest with you. It's something that I've witnessed on a small level in the, mm. la, in a closed laboratory setting. And there's nothing else to describe it other than it is beautiful. And I understand why uh, not to go off the, on to ramble here, but I understand why people who only use their brain and not their heart don't see it. What I mean by don't see it is they'll see it visually in the lab, but they will not be able to understand the mathematics behind it or the practical engineering of it and how they can predict how such would work. Because I am of the firm opinion ever since I practiced that we must use the heart to guide the brain, not the other way around. We have to use the intuition. Don't there are certain things where there are certain equations to this day. I don't understand it logically. I feel it. And I say that to everybody, don't try and understand it, feel it. There's a, there's a difference. So that, that's, that's where I go in that regard. Right. And I think that's strangely why folks in your position have more success than the academia folks, because they are taught from a very young age to discount their own intuition and, and trust, you know, what the, the rigors of their teaching, the, the, the regurgitated you know lessons from their teacher who is only repeating what they heard right so there's this sort of i don't know that poster on your wall brother is more <laughs> is more is more accurate in my humble opinion than any equation well i'm gonna make the poster on my wall the cover art for this episode so the listeners sure. know what it looks like because you referred to it a sure. lot but yeah i i think that you know, checks out considering what the Egyptians said about the heart being the mind, you know, and, and I think there's more truth to that when you think about us having this spiritual connection, you know, it seems to me just based off my experiences that we hear from our higher self or our guardian angel or however you want to call it through our heart rather than our mind. And, and that's how I've guided myself all the way up into this point. So you know, it makes sense that you are, you know, making more breakthroughs because you're taking this heart-centered approach. And, you know, I hope that the powers that be don't, you know, compromise this technology because it's about time that we live in a world where, you know, this stuff is abundant. And I'm curious what your thoughts are considering over the past year how many, and I mean, it's really been the past five years, how many people have glommed onto and attached to this Tartaria old world's theory. Yep. Do you think that we're just merely rediscovering something that they had in the ancient world that's been erased? Or do you think that that is more propaganda to kind of keep us away from understanding the truth? Like, do you see any of this stuff Both. that resembles what you're talking about when you look at like some of these Tartaria videos talking about free energy? Both uh, to both of your to your I would say yes to both of those questions, because I believe we are a species rediscovering the same concepts over and over again. Maybe one culture, you know, tapped it a certain way and, you know, compared to others. Ultimately, I, I believe so. With respects to the propaganda angle, unfortunately, I believe both human and non-human, both physical and non-physical energies and intense and, and we could say even in, in a, I would call it neurological form constants, but they're more known as egregores, so to speak, have in, in, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, attempted to use ignorance and prejudice of our own kind to keep their foot on our throats metaphorically, or perhaps literally, I don't know. But yes, I would say so. I, I would say as well that as we speak, there are, uh, go, going back to what you said about 
powers that be. There are elements behind the scenes as we speak that are currently battling it out, not just in the West, but all over the world. I think, unfortunately, what we see in, in politics today is actually a ripple effect of that, of some of that. I think ultimately as well, though, that the way in which we keep this battle going in, ter- in terms of attempting to succeed in a benevolent manner is literally by having the conversations we're having right now. It's literally by having people look into the organic element and angle of things, things like alchemy, things like intuition. Why is it, for example, I, I mean, Mark, I'll tell you right now, brother, if my, I, you know, got this, uh, you know, TV remote here, if my intuition tells me, move this TV remote two inches over for no reason, I logically, I don't know why I will do it because I just trust my heart. If you see what I mean. So that that's the same thing. You know, there's been scientific data as well to very strongly suggest that people can die of what's been known as broken hearts um, via an emotional perspective. And we, we can very strongly substantiate this in the sense that if you really look, for example, at what some highly respected theoretical physicists, I believe in, and maybe more than that, but someone like Richard Fine, who's up there with the likes of Einstein and many others, he said it himself. When you're charging a capacitor, the energy comes, the electricity comes in from the edges of the gap of what you're charging, not from the source of what you're charging it from, which implies that there is an ether very strongly. Now, the last part I, I added there, but he's, in, in my humble opinion, that is an attempt to publicly disclose as much as he could without, you know, getting in any trouble himself or anything like this. And also, Richard Feynman also said as well, if you really look at the problem of what energy is, just like going back to what you said just over an hour ago with respects to snow, we don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. What people say, well, energy, you know, electricity and magnetism. Okay, then what's that? You see what I'm saying? It speaks to fractals. Okay, well, it's made of this. It's made of, you know, you know, quarks, leptons, gluons, yada, yada. Okay, then what's that? What's, then that, what's that made out of? And then again, to me, this speaks to the joys in the journey philosophically. This also speaks to some saying, you know, there can't be a theory of everything because if there was, we'd have the answer to all the little, you know, zooming in, zooming out concepts of what everything is and isn't. I think there can be a theory of everything within a certain context. I think if we give a, a, if we find, of which I believe on, on a classified restricted level has been done many decades ago, an answer to everything, a unified field theory in science, in this reality, that's just for this reality. That's not for the other, that's not for other ones. That's not for other dimensions. That's not for other frequential densities. So this speaks as well to context-based scenarios. So when I mean context-based, I mean like, you know, if, if you take someone who's never been sort of like the way Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in on the Terminator one film, you know, he comes in very, you know, robotic, all of that. If you took someone like that and put them in a house party where everyone's having a blast, having a good time, one would not know they're in, they're having a good time if they've never had a bad one. So it's all it's all relative, if that makes sense. They will not know. It, we, how can you explain what the water or the, or the sky looks like to a baby or to even someone? Say I got knocked on the head with amnesia. I went into a coma, woke up, and I got to relearn everything. What how one plus one works, all that stuff. How would you how if I just woke up? You go, Dave. That you should come out to you know to the lake with us. Mark, what's the lake? And you go, what do you mean? What's the lake? It's, it's water. It's blue. Shit. What's water? You see it. One has to see it and experience it relative to where they're going to just like the way planets, you know, uh, orbit around the sun uh, allegedly, but you get my point. Well, and this adds a little bit of 
or sheds a little light on maybe what's going on with these 20 and back folks. I mean, thinking about relativity, right? If you were to go into a pocket dimension and, you know, time was different there, you come back, you're the same age you were when you left, you experience all these things, and the only narrative you're given about a possible explanation for how you, you could explain that would possibly be outer space, right? Because maybe this pocket dimension concept isn't as widespread as, you know, sci-fi movies that, you know, show people traveling from one space center to another in these spaceships, right? Maybe that's part of the conundrum is like, you know, and I'm not verifying in any way 20 and back people. I'm just offering a possible theory because personally I I find it sort of suspect, you know, that line of thinking. But the pocket dimension thing, it feels like something a predatory class could use against us with extreme success. You know, they whenever they have a, a situation where, you know, they're someone's dangerous, they just throw them in a pocket dimension. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're in a different reality. I mean, you might as well. And, well, and they're they're gone. They're without a trace if this is a real thing, you know. This goes right back to the whole point of what you were saying about dual use for example we have in a situation where with computers there are people you know hackers they'll try and hack into very you know professional hackers they'll try and you know guys that'll get paid loads of cash to you know from other countries to try and tap into the u.s or vice versa things like this allegedly and what will happen is these hackers will go into a server say a hacker taps into a say server what will happen is i'm not saying this is what the nsa does i'm just saying in general one method as i understand it allegedly is that they will transfer the hacker in real time from the legitimate server they're on, they're trying to fish information from, to a fake server with BS information, with a little bit of truth in there. But the hacker did not know he's been moved to that other server. And the reason for this is because then from a counterintelligence perspective, you want to see what that hacker takes and who they report back to. Can that be done with consciousness? Wow. Yeah. No, I think it can. And I think certain cities, you know, going back to our conversation about ley lines and whatnot, I think certain cities are arranged in a way to where a pocket dimension opens up at a certain place at a certain time of the year or the month. And people know what's going to happen. They go there, they enter this pocket dimension and maybe they stay there for some time. I'm not saying this is fact. I'm just giving this as a gedanke or thought experiment. But what if in in some cases, not all, but in some cases, if one walked into a plane and they went took a flight somewhere, what if the plane never really went anywhere? And I'm not saying it in the sense that the pilot was in on it or the FAA was in on, not like that. I'm saying on a much grander scale, on an archetypal scale, on an energetic scale. And yes, there will be humans aware of this, but what if the plane never went anywhere? Right. See, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying these are thoughts that I think we should pursue um, or at least hypothesize on. Because if we look at this whole concept of, you know, things like simulation theory and, you know, digital computers and the way that, you know, light travels and things like that. It it, it doesn't seem to be any significantly different than what we're currently living in now. And I don't mean to say that as in, you know, we're living in a full on simulation. Perhaps there are some things that are, quote unquote, real, although we must say, okay, what's real? But we put that to the side for a moment. Is there anything overlapped on top of it in which, for example, is something that is an information structure that is presenting itself to us in a particular way, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, say you and I, we go for a drive. 
and we see a, cra- a UAP or UFO in the sky. And you go, Dave, we both see it in the same spot in the sky. But you go, Dave, I see a cube. I go, Mark, what the hell? I go, I see a sphere. And then say, for example, we bring someone else along in the car with us and they go, I see a pyramid. Who's right or who's wrong? Mm. I would say neither, but both. Right. It's I'm not not trying to be trippy or anything, but it speaks to this idea of perspective. Truly, it it is like the dual slit experiment. Reality is only as real, quote unquote, as the individual observing it. Right. So, yeah, that's a lot to contemplate, brother. And I think, you know, we're sort of at our end here because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you have something else you got to get to, but it's always good to catch up with you and and talk about these things, man. I got to admit, sometimes I get a little lost in some of these high techno concepts that you recite so well, but you got your finger on the pulse of this this really interesting sector of the alternative space, and I got to hand it over to you. I don't think there's another podcast quite like Generation Z. It's completely unique and very, very informative. So if anyone listening has not already checked out Dave's podcast, please go do so. Generation Z, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got a Patreon. Is there anything I'm leaving out? Anything you want to leave the um, folks with before I, well, we first go? Let me just say before I do that, man, thank you so much. Your questions have been incredible. And I really mean that. I was really looking forward to today because you know how to ask the right questions with respects to alchemy, spirituality, the cosmos, all of it. Let me just say, thank I listen you. to most of your episodes whenever I have the chance to do so. Phenomenal guests. You're, you're, you're an incredible host. And I want to thank you again. Generation Z is Z-E-D podcast on podbean spotify apple podcasts youtube i'm also on twitter at podcast z z e d no space no capitals and for the the more detailed stuff if you will with uh, you know multiple uh, multi-week group zoom calls things like this patreon.com slash generation z of course you know members only content and all that kind of stuff but i i want to thank you so much again man i really do appreciate it of course of course yeah dude it's Pleasure's all mine. Like I said, I I really appreciate having you here. And I think we ought to do another episode of the Elemental Philosophy Forum sometime soon. So I'll be in touch about that. And everyone listening, if you haven't already checked out our series together, it's right here where you're listening to this show. Be sure to go follow Dave at Generation Z. You can find our series there as well. But until next time, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. All right. That was our conversation with the very dangerous Dave Zed. You know him from the Generation Zed podcast. This, of course, is the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Go over and check out Dave's latest shows. He's got a few very interesting shows that just came out. One about water as nature's mouthpiece. The next one about the greys. And then another episode about randomness. So uh, Dave is certainly, as I said to him here, covering a very unique spectrum of topics on his show. So go over there, check out what Dave's up to. And uh, yeah, as for me, this is a Friday episode, so we'll keep it nice and short. Go over to the Rockfin if you want to see some early releases for what's coming out next week. Uh, We also have some bonus content on the Patreon, one-on-one, and I just did our final Illuminati Confirmed episode for now. Uh, We'll see what comes next. 
You can support on our Patreons to find out everything about that. Uh, we also have Scene Edition 2 coming out. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> already out. Go and pick that up if you haven't already picked it up. And then, in the future, December 17th, if you're close enough, come on down to New Haven. We're going to be doing a Strange New Haven tour uh, Saturday December 17th at 3 p.m. in front of the Book Trader Cafe. Be there by 3.15 p.m. Uh, that's when we're going to start the tour. So hope to see as many people there as possible. Um, and yeah, like I said, nice and short this episode. Big shout out to our sponsor, The Hit Kit. Go to hitkit.us. Get yourself a hit kit. It's the number one way to stay lit. No matter where you go, your blunts or joints will be in tow. So until next time, folks, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to support this value for value podcast. We can't do it without the help of listeners like you and our beautiful sponsors. So uh, thank you and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Yeah, MFTIC. It's all a sub It's all a setup. I gotta know the truth, don't you hold back? Cause I ain't getting caught up in the song trap. I dissect the fabric of reality, looking for the answers. Searching through the galaxy, you might be feeling stressed out. Depression, anxiety, it's no measure for help to be well adjusted to a sick society. You don't even know how powerful you are. We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface They want you confused Like you never knew your purpose Hopping through the portals Dismantling the machine My family thinks I'm crazy I can't believe what I've seen Memories of a war of the Pleiadians and Anunnaki Stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body DNA fractal universe within me epiphanies of science is hoarded by the illuminati puppet masters know the power of the mantra repeating mad lies till it has an effect on you repetitive messaging and big pharma injections tricking the population with holographic projections we see through it and the system is unraveling i'm astral traveling through the library of the vatican on a sacred journey i embark with the squad keep spitting that truth like mark on the pod i gotta know the truth don't you hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety It's no measure for help To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade It's all a setup.